Who's ready for haunted houses? I asked two weeks ago how many people like haunted houses. A lot of you stood up, and a couple of you stood up surprised me. And I've seen on social media that some of y'all have been frequenting haunted houses as of late. And I, I, my, you know, I used to do that, and now I'm older, and now I don't. And I, I've come to the, the place in my life where my seasonal attractions for Halloween will be going to boggers out in Westminster and getting some mums and apples. And that's, I'm okay with that. I'll watch all you guys get scared, and I'll watch some scare videos on YouTube. I'm completely fine with that. But while the haunted houses and the mask and the trick-or-treating is all fun, we're talking this month about a much more serious scenario, and that's the haunting of our homes and what that means for us. I used this scripture two weeks ago, and it's still appropriate. Isaiah 32 says, My people will live in peaceful dwellings, in secure homes, in un- undisturbed places of rest. Peaceful dwelling places, secure homes, and undisturbed places of rest. If your home is not depicted or reflected in these words, it can be. And I would hope that if it's not a, a reflection of what the scripture is, I would hope that you would want it to be. Pastor Andrew talked last week about resident evil, about some things that live in our homes, and today we're going to talk about how they get there. And what they turn into. And next week, we're going to talk about how to get them out. Next week is Ghostbusters. But today is the haunting. There are lots of things in a haunted house. As I, as I researched this, and for a few weeks we've been looking at this, and there are maps on the internet. There are drawings of a house and how you can set up a haunted house and what needs to go into a haunted house. Uh, the mummy station, the vampire station, the bats, the spiders, the snakes, the chainsaws, the knives, all of that. You can lay it out in a floor plan of how people should go through your haunted house to be appropriately scared. It's, it's a true story. There are even books how to design them and what to bring in to make them scarier. And one thing I read said, when in doubt, just add fog. It makes everything scarier. And then I wonder why some churches had fog machines. But then I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> but there are ingredients to a haunted house. It's the process of creating and haunting. But you have to understand that haunted houses don't just happen. A haunted house just doesn't appear. A haunted house is created. You follow me? A haunted house is created. Our homes become haunted by what we bring into them and by what we allow to live and grow in them. Quick pause, no hands. Is there anything that you can think of right now when I said that, that you've allowed in your home or brought into your house that's haunting it and you wish it could be removed? Next question, who has allowed something into your home that has affected it negatively and now it seems just too big to be taken care of? Those are the questions that we're going to answer today. This is where we are. First, what do we bring into our homes? What do we allow to be brought into our homes that are haunting our homes? What, what can we say that I wish I had never done that? I wish I had never brought this into my home. We're going to talk about some uninvited guests today. Five things, not ten, five. 
And they're not normally talked about in a church setting. The first thing we're going to talk about is contention. Oh, I heard some groans right then. The first thing we're going to talk about is contention. Some people love to argue and they thrive on it. I don't understand it. That's absurd to me. But some people love to argue. So what did our verse in Isaiah say? My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. Peaceful dwelling places. In secure homes. (laughs) In undisturbed places of rest. That's what we're supposed to live in. If our homes are filled with arguing and they're filled with contention all the time, it's not what God intends for you to have. Proverbs 17, 14 says, The beginning of strife, the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before. Stop contention before quarreling starts. So if you want to live in your Isaiah 32 home, You're going to have to start identifying when the contention starts and when the bickering starts and when that quarreling starts and when that that divisiveness starts to creep in. And you're going to have to be man or woman to say, this is not the home that I, I believe that God intends for me to live in. This is not the home that I believe God intends for us to have. We need to have a peaceful home. That's don't confuse this with a pipe dream that you'll never have an argument. Because everybody's human, and we all have different opinions about stuff. You will have some disagreements. But if your home is a home where everybody bickers and quarrels and fights all the time, you don't have to live that way. Solomon said, stop contention before the quarreling starts. Changes can be made. Contention is not a way to live. Let's talk about lust. That's like pen drop material right there. If you have kids, this is a crazy time to live in. Why lust? Where does lust come from? Lust comes from our minds. Scripture says that when lust has conceived, it brings sin. Our thoughts translate into actions. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's how you think is what you will become. It's what you will do. And if you're lusting after stuff, it can be... now. Let's go across the spectrum. You can lust after people. You can lust after cars. You can have a shopping addiction, lust after clothes and shoes. Lust isn't just about sex. Lust can be about anything. It's the lust of the flesh. It's what you're desiring more than other stuff. It's what you're desiring that drives you to inappropriate action. And it all starts right here. Our thoughts are shaped by what's going on around us, what we see and what we hear. So that begs the question, what are you seeing and what are you hearing? If you know you have a weakness in one area and you continue to let that come into your home and you continue to let that come before your eyes and into your ears, you're going to struggle and you're going to fall. Because when lust is conceived, sin happens. Our thoughts are shaped by what goes on around us. So if we're exposed to suggestive material, sexual material, our thoughts gravitate there and our actions will follow. If we're exposed to violent movies and video games, 
You know, a lot, a lot of kids now are desensitized to death because Call of Duty and all the other fighting games. Why? Because you can, walk, you can run through a battlefield and you can shoot 45,000 people and you can get killed 45,000 times. And as soon as you get killed, you respawn. You're, you're, you're active right again. So it desensitizes. I'm not telling you to keep video games from your kids. I'm just telling you what is there. And if you don't know that, you should know that. You, you can be desensitized to violence and to killing because of what we're doing. Kids and adults. Because lots of adults play video games. That's just how it is. Your reality can shift. If you think you can come back to life after every time you fall or, or get somebody gets shot, your reality shifts from what really can happen. You're going to have, as parents and adults, you're going to have to get out in front of this problem because, because these influences affect who we are because what goes on around us affects us. Have can, candid conversations with your spouse and with your kids. Make sure correct information is getting in because somebody's going to educate these people. Somebody's going to educate your kids and somebody's going to educate you. Make sure the correct information is getting where it needs to get because if not, they're going to get what Satan wants them to get. And you're going to have a haunted house. Fight for your home. Fight for your home. Don't let things happen just because, that's, well, that's just the way it is. Fight for your home. Fight for your kids. Fight for your marriage. Don't, just, don't be a casualty of just, well, it's just the way it is. Number four, stress. Stress can haunt your home like a few other things in this world can haunt your home. What can stress do? It can cause mental health problems, depression, anxiety, personality disorders, cardiovascular disease, heart disease, high blood pressure, abnormal heart rhythms, heart attacks, and stroke. Stress. There are lots of homes in America, and I would dare say some homes of people in this room that are haunted by stress. And stress is not an easy thing. I've been there. It's not an easy thing to deal with. It's not an easy thing to get rid of. Because when it's there, it's pervasive. It's in, it's in everything you do. It's in every thought you think. Because you're trying to think your way around this problem. You're trying to fix that. You're trying to resolve this. And you're stressed out. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I saw somebody post this, this scripture on social media this morning. Psalm 94, 19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. It didn't say there was no anxiety didn't say there's no stress. It said, when anxiety was great within me, when I was stressed out to the point that I couldn't be stressed out anymore, your consolation, your consoling me brought me great joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have stress. You will experience stress. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. didn't say I wouldn't walk there, that I wouldn't experience it. It said I'm not going to be afraid. You will experience stress, but it doesn't have to overwhelm you. It doesn't have to overtake you. And I'm preaching to me right now. It doesn't have to overtake you. It doesn't have to become who you are, and it doesn't have to be so pervasive in your home that it consumes your home, and it becomes what your home is, and your home becomes haunted by stress. Don't allow that to happen. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. How about exhaustion? Who's tired? Hands going up everywhere. 
We are busier now than I have ever seen society be. Being too busy is not a spiritual gift. There are no medals for the busiest person. There are only hospitals and graves. There are no medals for the busiest person. There are only hospitals and graves. If we aren't careful, we can just simply be too busy. Too busy. And it can take up residence in our home. It, be- it can become a way of life and rob us of quality time and peace. In Luke 10, Jesus had come to Mary and Martha's house, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, and she was just enthralled by what he was saying, and he was teaching, and and she was just in the moment. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and she was listening to everything he said, and and Mary and Martha were sisters, and and Martha was in the kitchen, and she was taking care of stuff. She was busy. She was making sure, you know, the the doilies were where they were supposed to be, and she was making sure the carafes were full of wine, and she was making sure the bread was in its right place, and the butter was drawn, and it was right where it needed to be, and she was making sure all those things All those things that women like to do that guys typically don't care about, she was doing that. But she was, Jesus was there, man. Jesus was in the house. What she was doing wasn't bad, it was honorable. When when we have somebody, when, when Tawana knows somebody's coming over, man, she likes a clean house anyway, we all do. But when somebody's coming over and it's not even Jesus, (laughs) stuff has to be put in order. It's got to be put in place. The floor's got to be swept. The dog has to have a bath. All those things have to happen, all honorable things. And it's not Jesus. It's Andrew. (laughs) He was in my wedding. He knows me. It's okay. No. But Mary just wanted to see Jesus. But Martha said, the doilies are in the cupboard and they got to put them under the thing. And it's got to be just right. And Mary just wanted to see Jesus and hear what he had to say. But Martha in the kitchen with the doilies and the carafes and all that butter and stuff, she got an attitude. And she went to Jesus. And she's like, what is she doing? This isn't done, and she just, the scroll, the list. These aren't checked off. These are her duties. These are her chores, and they're not done. And can't, can't she see that I'm working hard? Can't she see how busy I am, and I'm tired? I'm trying to make, everything's, make sure everything's just right for Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Martha, Martha. When somebody says your name twice, yeah, you're in trouble. He's like, what you're doing is not, I'm paraphrasing Jesus' words. What you're doing isn't bad. But Mary has chosen the important part. She's chosen the better part because she's in my presence and she wants to hear what I'm saying. It wasn't in that moment, it wasn't in the busyness of what Martha was doing. It was in the quiet place that Mary had found in the presence of Jesus. And if we don't make sure in our homes that we're finding that quiet place and we're sitting down at a dinner table with our family and putting our phones somewhere else and saying, how was your day? And being involved in what's going on in our kids' lives and not making sure that they're seven days a week busy. Let's, we don't talk about that much. Don't make sure your kids are too busy where they can't even think straight and their grades suffer and their rest suffers. That's not God's will either. 
Find balance in your life. Find what, I can't tell you what works for you, but find what works for you because stress is not fun to live with and neither is exhaustion. If you're so tired, you can't enjoy the kid's soccer game. There's no point in doing what you're doing because you're just, you're there and you're frustrated. We can't live an exhausted life. Don't let busyness haunt your home to the point that you become exhausted and ineffective. Because when you become exhausted and ineffective, you get grouchy. Who's seen the sticker commercials? Where they become somebody else. And they take it by the snicker bar and suddenly they're this, they're this sane person again. Well, if we live our life exhausted, we're going to be like that all the time. We've got to find rest to be effective. There are some cultural things that we can bring into our home that can haunt our home. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does that mean? It means you can't be like society tells you to be like. You don't know what you don't know. We learned that in leadership this week, in, in leadership track, right? You don't know what you don't know, but once you find out what you didn't know, I'm like, just like Dr. Seuss right now. Once you find out what you didn't know, then you're accountable for what you know. The Bible says, as the light shines across your path, that's how you walk. We can't conform to everything society teaches us to be. The Bible says that we're transformed how? By renewing our mind and thinking differently. We have to be careful as leaders of our homes what we are adopting culturally. The norms of culture and the values of culture that oppose the word of God. This is where the rubber starts really getting down and, and touching the road. This is where it gets really practical, and this is, is, this is some of the stuff that we may not know. Just because society tells us that something is okay doesn't mean that it's really okay. Just because something is a law and legal doesn't mean that it's right. Is that all right? Just because something is legal doesn't mean that I should do it. How do we know? What does the psalmist say? I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. That's why I told you two weeks ago that when, when election time happens in November, I encourage every person in this room, if you're eligible to vote, go vote. It is your privilege and your right and your responsibility to vote. But be informed voters. Get in the word of God and find out what, what values should be propagated and vote that way. How's that? Make an informed decision. Love the person that votes differently than you. That would go a long way in our society. Society's full of hate. It's full of contention. It's full of bitterness. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. Love somebody. Just because they think differently than you doesn't mean that you can't love them and be nice to them. Because after all, you may be the only Jesus they ever see. And if your Jesus is angry all the time, if your Jesus is condemning all the time, if your Jesus never has one good thing to say about anybody, they won't want anything to do with your Jesus. Right. 
<laughs> that was all free. There are things that society teaches us that we cannot allow to take resident, residence in our homes. Values that will lead us away from God instead of closer to him. If we aren't careful, this, this thing that doesn't seem like a big deal will turn into a major point of contention in our home. And this thing that doesn't seem like a big deal right now or maybe one time won't hurt will turn into a big deal that will separate us from God. Just because society says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. Is that all right? You don't know what you don't know. It's not okay to sleep around. It's just not. The Bible calls that fornication. And that's why God instituted the relationship, the institution of marriage to the point that he compared his relationship with us to the relationship of a husband and wife. Because that's, that's the, the model he chose to make that happen. If we aren't careful, the little things and little things that society endorses will slip into our homes and into our families and start to erode the structure that God has put in place. We have to be vigilant about our homes. We can't let our homes be haunted by things society endorses that God opposes. We got to make sure that we are aligned with the word of God and how we live and how we operate and how we treat others and how our home is set up. And we got to be vigilant and make sure that we're taking care of our homes. Is that all right? I hope it is because it's all scripture. Before we realize what's happening, we're going to be haunted by things that start as no big deal. And they, and they become major obstacles and they seem impossible. Remember the second question? They seem impossible for us to take care of. Well, how do I? This has been going on for so long and this is so big. It's such a big deal in my life. How can I take care of this? Who remembers Michael Myers? Saw him last night. Who remembers Jason? And Freddie? How about the Candyman? That's reaching right there. The first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street was like, when it came out, like 1984. I went to my, my uncle's house and my aunt played it and y'all... I was 12 and innocent. I had never seen anything like that before in my life. And when she's on, uh, somebody's on the ceiling spinning and he's coming out of the mattress and that claw, and I, I was done. <laughs> I was done. But it made me want to see more. It's like the car wreck you can't stop looking at. So I began to watch the Freddy movies, the Jason movies, the, the Body Snatchers, the Evil Dead, all that stuff. And I started to have dreams about that. And I get together with my friends and we watch all these scary movies and, and that, this, these guys, these four right there made an impression on me. They were always indestructible, like the undertaker. You know, when he's laying us stretched out and all of a sudden he just sits up and, and these guys would just, you'd think they'd be dead and they would just get up and, and the, the mask is still on, the knife's still in the hand or the chainsaw or the hook or something. It's all still there and they're still coming after people. And, and they just seemed indestructible. They seemed larger than life. It seemed they could not be killed. They were strong and they were relentless. And, and that's like some things that we have haunting our homes. 
things that we think we can't kill, that we can't have victory over, that we can't get rid of, that we can't stop this habit, we can't kick this addiction, we can't, we can't fix this relationship, we can't, we've been going this direction for so long and our home is in this shape and it has been for 10, 15, 20, 30 years that we don't see any way that we can get it back on the right track. And these guys, they're just there in our face. And they just seem indestructible and, and they seem so big and so strong and we seem so weak and powerless and we find ourselves, they're chasing us, then we find ourselves in a shed full of sharp tools. <laughs> and we just know the end is near and we're, we're trapped and our homes are, are haunted and, and we, we can't sleep at night and we're stressed out and we're exhausted and our relationships are messed up and our kids are defiant and all these things are going on and we, that's, our, that's our, our shed of sharp tools. And we're miserable and we're trapped and we just want relief. We just want relief. Well, this is what is portrayed to us. That's who they really are. <laughs> From left to right, Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy Krueger, and the Candyman. That's really them. Take away the makeup, take away the masks, take away the knives take away all those things that's who they are that's what they really look like it's a bad picture it's grainy i know it's all i could find but that's who they really are they don't seem so indestructible man michael myers seems like a cool granddad <laughs> let's go have some breakfast again pancakes and waffles and coffee and stuff that's that's jason looks a little sketchy <laughs> but they look like normal people and that's really who they are. See, that, that whole facade, the claws, the knives, the mask, it's all just put there to make us scared. It's all just put there to freak us out and to keep us in this place of fear and this place of haunting and this place of, of frustration. All that is put there just to scare us. The issues in your home, the situations you're dealing with, they may seem like they can't be defeated. You may feel hopeless. You may be ready to give up. They seem so huge. What we have to remember today that Satan is like these dudes. Satan is just like these dudes. He uses trickery to keep us scared and thinking that we can't change things. The Bible tells us that when we finally see Satan, we're going to get to lay eyes on him. When we finally see him, that our reaction is going to be, is this the one? Is this really the one? that I let mess with me all these years, that I let trick me into thinking that I couldn't change, that I let put me in this spot of fear and frustration, and I let haunt my house, is this really the person? But when we realize who we really are and that God is on our side, we realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world when we realize that is when our life will start to turn around, is when change will start to happen. Scripture from last week, Pastor Andrew read Luke 11, 25 and 26. When it, when it arrives, talking about the spirit coming back in the house, it, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. It finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. They go in and live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. That's the scripture we used last week. The main part I want to pull out of that is, is the Spirit finds the house swept clean. And now I'm setting up for next week. 
finds the house swept clean and put in order. That phrase right there, I, I, read, uh, um, I read an article that led to a translation. And the, the Greek translation from that phrase says, the spirit found the, the, the house empty, swept and ornate or adorned. That the, the word clean was actually empty and swept and adorned. And the, and the root word of the word adorned there is the word we use for cosmetics. So the, the, the word empty and swept and decorated. That's how the spirit found the room. And it filled up seven times what was there before. The key, to the, the key here is that the house was clean. Somebody had gotten to the point where they cleaned the house out. They got rid of the stuff. The sin was gone. The busyness was gone. The stress was gone. But it was empty. And the spirit came back and said, oh, it's empty. I'm going to bring some friends. I'm going to bring some friends. So what does this tell me? It tells me that I had better be very vigilant that when I clean my house out, when I get the haunts out of my house, I had, be, I had better be very vigilant about what I allowed to go back in. And I can't just be happy that the bad stuff is gone. I can't just be happy that the bad stuff is gone. I got, I got to put good stuff in its place. I can't just get rid of the scary stuff. I got to bring in good stuff to replace the bad stuff. I hide your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. I don't want my house to be empty. I want it to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want it to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's stand together. If my house is going to be haunted, if my house has to be haunted by something, I want to be haunted by the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? It better be. When I go to the trouble of identifying what's going on in my life, what is slowing me down, what, what is in my house that is haunting me, it's keeping me awake at night, it's stressing me out. When I go to the trouble of identifying all those things and then going through steps to eradicate that, I, I, I don't want to be foolish enough or unaware enough to leave that space empty. I've got to make sure that I'm backfilling that area with godly things, with godly influence. Replace your trashy, curse-filled music. Oh, that hurts. Y'all with me to tell that? If you have to find versions of music that's non-explicit, it's probably not good for you. Ooh. <laughs> Is that all right? That's an influence in my life. If, if I'm... If I'm pursuing God and, and trying to do something in the kingdom of God, I don't need somebody talking about apple-bottom jeans. That's about as real as you can get. What is influencing you? What is taking up the space in your home of the bad stuff that you've eradicated? Are you letting influencers into where you are? that are just taking you right back to the same spot? Are the words coming out of your mouth uplifting? Are they wholesome? That's another message. What did Pastor Andrew say? The, word, the power of life and death are in the tongue. 
Bible says that we will be held accountable for every word that proceeds out of our mouth. Some of y'all like Jesus take the wheel. He will, but we gotta let him. What's influencing you? What's backfilling that empty space? Let's make sure that this haunting, these things that are influencing our life, let's get rid of them, but let's make sure that we're backfilling with godly influence. I'm not telling you can never listen to your radio again. Just be smart. Does this help me get closer to Jesus? Does this keep me where I want to be? Or does it drag me further away? If it passes that litmus test, man, you knock yourself out and you do what you got to do. Don't miss next week. Steps to a godly home. Ghostbusters. It's going to be awesome.